You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Share a few things a little bit about that this morning, and we're also going to be looking at Nehemiah 3. But one of the things I've really enjoyed with my kids, if I'm totally honest, is going to the cinema. I don't know, maybe it's to me, it's just a sort of father-son, father-daughter bonding kind of time. I've always loved taking the kids to the cinema. If I had to give you any tips, guys, I don't know if you've done the cinema yet with your kids. I know it's awkward. Sit on the end of a row. When you put drinks out, it, put them in, it always comes out and often before the film is finished. I think my son was 15 before he made it the whole way through a film without needing a toilet break. Um, I guess, if I'm really honest, I've loved films, loved the stories, loved the energy, loved the passion. Rarely have I ever made the credits. If we're really honest, most of us go to the cinema, we don't go to read the credits, do we? Most of us, if we're really honest, we go to the cinema because we enjoy the emotion, the the powerful storyline. I went recently and I sat there and watched every single credit. And they go quite fast, actually. I don't know if you've ever tried doing this, you think, Pete, you've got a sad life. There is a reason for this. The reason is, Jared, if you could stand... Jared is a part of our church, and he was on the credits for Guardians of the Galaxies. You see what I'm saying? So suddenly I thought, I'm interested in this list of names. It's the first time I've sat there and thought, I'd like to see the list of names. And if we're really honest, that's true for most of us in a different setting. Most of us haven't been on the uh, credits, but most of us, if, if we go onto Facebook and we see pictures of an event we're at, somebody's wedding, we scan through and find a picture of ourselves, don't we? Oh, I don't know if that was a good one or a bad one. Oh, you know what I'm saying? We, we can't help but almost find ourselves amongst these lists of people. We're going to be looking today at Nehemiah 3, which is a long, long list of names. It's one of those things in the Bible. And if I was really honest, often I would try and skip it and yet we're down to do it and do a dedication, I believe that God would want us to look and think, actually, which name do we connect to? Where am I in this story? I'm going to quickly, very quickly tell you the story, and then I'm going to get Nikki to read it, because I can't pronounce half the names, if I'm totally honest. So the story is this. The city has been attacked. It's been left in ruins for about 150 years. I'm hoping I'm not going to spoil the film for you, but this guy, Nehemiah, who is a long way away in a place called Susa, gets really stirred by God to do something. He prays for four months. He then probably travels four months across the desert. He then gets to Jerusalem. He wants to gather these people together. They want to rebuild the walls because they've been broken down by the enemies, and he wants to repopulate the city. And at the end of the book, if you've never read it, rah, 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 he does well. That's the big story. Now we're going to go through the list of credits. So if you've got a Bible, it will come up. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. Nikki's not. She's going to do the first five verses and the last five verses. Okay, reading from verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, 
son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Banner, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Skipping on to verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired the other section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malkijah and the goldsmiths made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the, mer- and the merchants. Opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Wow, I think that deserves a round of applause, don't you? I know I married well above my station when I married my wife. So how do we really understand this? Well, I guess what I want to say, and I believe that this historical account, I believe the Bible is God's word, so I believe it it talks history, but it also speaks to us. I believe this historical account has got something to say to the parents today, something to say to us as a church as well. So it could be you're visiting and you think, oh, I'm a parent, I'd like to hear on that. It could be you're visiting and think, golly, what kind of church do these families go to? then hopefully you'd pick something up. If I had to give this a talk, a, a quick title, I would say, actually, it's all about building together. This is what they were doing. They were, there's a sense of gathering and building together. I'm hoping that I'm not spoiling the story. You can read it. I don't think it's a film, so you can't watch it. The reality was that it was, it was like a miracle because they saw the whole wall restored in 52 days. Now, we're never quite sure how long the wall was. Most people think it was about a mile and a half, and it was up to seven meters wide in some places. So it's not just laying a few bricks in the garden, you know what I'm saying? It's more than a patio that these guys were doing. In fact, I thought, and this is just a one historical thing, I've got a little map here, a picture, that shows what they did. So basically, they're starting at the Sheep Gate, which is this one up here. If you know the story, they're actually going anti-clockwise, which means they're, he's, they're describing, they describe it the whole way around. So it starts north, it goes west, it goes south, it goes east. This was the same direction that we think Nehemiah had gone and explored the city when he first turned up. And here are some of the sort of places that, were, that, that came up. So hopefully that just gives you an, an overview. Okay, so what is it they're talking about? So if I then had to bring three words out of this that I think would help us this morning, that would help parents, that would help us as a church, these are the words that I'm going to use. The first one is unity of intention. You see, the fact of the matter was that all these people gathered together because they wanted to see this city restored. They wanted to see, I mean, it talks about the the walls being repaired. It talks about them being rebuilt. It talks about laying beams. We think that was like finishing touches. It's like they they put the doorpost back on. It's almost like they finished it. They did a great job. They talked about roofing. We know there was towers. We think that's when the, the... 
it was a lower place. Some place it was protected by valleys. Some of the wall was lowered down, so they built towers there. They put gates. They put walls there. But actually, if you had to describe the whole thing, you would say that everybody there was about this one task. We want to see this city restored. And I guess that would be a challenge for us because as a church, we would say, well, what really is this church all about? If we come to this, what is the church redeemer about? I would say there's one thing we'd love to describe church life as. It's seeing the kingdom of God come. If you know the Lord's Prayer, it says, pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we would say we want to see sick people healed because that's a demonstration of our king. He's the one who does it. We want to see the poor looked after because that's a demonstration of our God's kingdom. The fact is that I believe that he, Jesus often went around caring for the poor, the sick. We want to share the good news. That's why we do something like an alpha, because actually we're trying to say, well, look, there's something here which we think could radically change your life for the better. We want to stir one another because actually we're united in this purpose together. We've got this unity of intention. As a parent, I'd encourage you, you've got to be united. I know that they look cute and cuddly at the moment. But the older they get, the easier it is to suddenly think, oh, yeah, okay, you know, they can play one of you off against the other. And, and suddenly you think, oh, I never realized that Nikki said, no, you, you can't have an ice cream. You know, I, I'll get you an ice cream. I think, how do we remain united as parents? How do we and make sure that we're agreed that we've talked stuff through? How about us as a church? How do we remain united? If you look around the church, I mean, it's very warm today, but you look around, you think, golly, what a funny bunch we are. How do we genuinely remain united? You see, for these guys, what happened is it was action more than just talk. Nehemiah didn't just talk the game. He didn't just say, oh, could you imagine? Could you dream this? He, he got involved in action. And I believe that's true for us. In fact, there was a phrase that even the little bit that Nicky read, and if you read the whole chapter, you realize it said next to or side by side. I, I don't know what you think about that. Nicky and I went to uh, see Ed Sheeran at the O2 on Monday night. And if ever you've been to a concert or a gig there, as you come out, you, you're filing side by side to get down onto the Jubilee line. You know, and I'm sort of thinking about this preacher. I think, I wonder if this is, I don't think it was really meant it was like that. They think that actually to be side by side meant there was no envy and no jealousy amongst them. It's like they work side by side. Hey, you're doing that. I can help you. You can help me. That was almost like the philosophy of it. It wasn't that they were rammed in, but actually there was a heart that they were together. I'd, um, I've often enjoyed reading a leadership guy called John Maxwell. And I know some bit he's an American guy. I find him quite inspirational. I tell Nick and she says it seems a little cheesy. You know what I'm saying? But he's got this saying, teamwork makes the dream work. You know, and it's almost like, well, this is what was happening on the walls. Teamwork was making the dream work. Some of us, if we're honest, we're not into John Maxwell. You might be into The Apprentice. I don't know if you watched it this week. Uh, they were saying there, wasn't there, there's, there's no I in teamwork, but there's five in individual brilliance. <laughs> But I believe the guys that went down that road lost the task. So I think that probably validates my point as well. Actually, we need to be united together. Some of us parents will know there's the African proverb which goes along this. It takes a village to raise a child. You know, there's this whole sense of actually we want support. We want to be in it together. 
In fact, it was J.K. Rowling in one of her books who says we're only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. And so I would say partly to me, if we want to see a church built, we want to see a church that is united. I, I, I'm never sure if they even said this, but, you know, you always think I do at times like this. Growing up, you know, we'd, I got two brothers, so we were three boys, and it was the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. You know, this was our sort of motto. And in some respects, you think, why couldn't we have that as a church? I loved it. I didn't ask these guys to say nice things about the church. But just to say, oh, the church has been there. I think, well, this is surely what we should be like, united together. Jesus said when he prayed to the Father at the end of John's Gospel in the New Testament, Father, let them be one as we're one. I would love that whole thing. Come on, actually, how can we be united together? If you read the book of Acts, which is the description of the early church, that's Jesus has died, he's risen, he's gone back to heaven, and then the book of Acts describes the church. In there, you find this sort of description of they were, they were together in one another's homes. That's why we do community groups. We think, how do we genuinely know one another rather than just put a mask on, turn up at a meeting, look nice? No, we think we'd like to support one another in homes. Something of unity. We love that as well with the church right across Ealing. I think it's a privilege that Redeemer stands with other churches in Ealing to see things happen. Now, you know, we've often talked, if you come here, about the Ealing Food Bank, which was one initiative that I guess we'd led on. But actually, there's many other churches. Chris has done an outstanding job of that in the church, where I know we've got Catholics, Methodists, Baptists, Anglicans, all on the committee. I think there's something like 200 volunteers that signed up for that across the borough from a whole spectrum of churches, because that's the church together. We're united in purpose. Some have been involved, I know I was last year, when we did the Ealing Church's Winter Night Shelter. So from the beginning of December until the end of March, it was like, how could we provide beds for those that are sleeping rough? And it was like the church is saying, come on, we could stand together. We could make a difference. I could go through other examples, something like CAP, Christians Against Poverty. The churches together are saying, how could we fund this? How could we help those that have fallen into difficult financial times? Prayer on the street is offered by the churches on a Saturday morning. Street pastors, if you've seen that on a Friday night when you've come out of your club, you're suddenly, oh, golly, the Christians around. That's churches together. I would love to think that actually as parents, we've got to be united as a church. There's something of unity in this task that we're on. Okay, unity would be my first word if I had to describe this. My second word would be this, diversity. Diversity, diversity of interest. You see, if you read through the whole chapter, and, and we did skip some of the list, but actually when I've read through it this week, it starts off with a high priest. Actually, there's seven different towns that are represented, so they're all sending people in. We think people traveled up to 20 miles away to come and to help build these walls. We know that there was 40 key people involved, and there was 45 different sections in building the, the wall that I described there. Often the families are described, the towns are described, the crafts are described, the trades are described, the callings are described. In fact, there's another part in the thing where it talks about daughters coming and getting involved. This was a, this was a whole family affair. When it was building the walls, it wasn't just one or two. Um, the Athenians, when they attempted to rebuild the walls after the Persians had destroyed them, said this, the whole population of the city 
men, women and children should take part in the wall building. And we think there was this sort of sense of this dynamic here. There was a huge diversity, but they were all involved together. And, and I think I want this church, I believe in this church should be like that. We're very different, but we're connected together. Last week, I don't know, some of you might have seen the guy uh, who's been begging just outside Ealing Broadway. Um, I felt God tell me, give him some hot food. So I got him some hot food. I said, how could I pray for you? And uh, he seemed very, very moved and started hugging me outside the thing. And I said, look, we'd love you to come to our church. I would love people like that. I was having coffee with a guy called Phil who sleeps rough in Ealing. I said, what's happening? He told me the story of his life. Ended up sleeping in his car. So, you know, chatted for an hour. I said, I would love you to come to our church. But then also, I think, I'd love students that are on their fourth degree, fifth degree, to come to the church. Last year at the carol service, the, the mayor came. We're going to invite him again this year. I'd love to see people like that in the church. I'd love a diversity of the church. I'd love the MPs to come along. I'd love the church to be full of the black and the white, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the intelligent and the challenged, the creative, and us administrators. You know what I'm saying? I think surely this is what we're looking for. This is something that we see in those that are building the wall. And tell you what else I spotted? Not one single person who built the wall was described as a carpenter or a builder. You see, it's not almost like, hey, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, Nehemiah, who's the guy in charge, this is really worrying if you take this analogy too far. The guy in charge hasn't got a clue what he's doing. I mean, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He was a wine taster, you know what I'm saying? I've often thought, one day this church is going to realize, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing here. <laughs> but actually, God does something, and we can all pitch in. And that's the thing we're looking for. Kids, teenagers. It's like there's no retirement in this family. It doesn't matter how old you are, you get to get a part of this. I was trying to think of sort of an analogy of it, really. You were sort of thinking families and that kind of stuff. Nikki and I, her favorite, I was going to say, nibbles are probably Maltesers. I mean, she just loves it. You know, I know if I've been naughty, I've just got to go and buy a box of Maltesers and it helps. Whereas mine, if I'm really honest, are probably Bassett's licorice all sorts. You love them or hate them, I know. Some of you are with me right now and some of you are thinking, disgusting. I've sometimes thought I'd much rather the church was like mine than Nikki's. The danger with Maltesers is everyone's got to be the same shape, the same colour, same size. It's very uniform. We don't want a church like that. We want a church literally of licorice all sorts. There's different colours, different shapes, different textures, and everything's going to be, oh, golly, what is that like? I think surely that's something of the diversity where we should be together. Stephen Covey, some of you would have heard him, who's a, an author, and uh, some would say a leadership expert says this, strength lies in differences, not in similarities. Strength lies in differences, not in similarities. We know that Jesus himself, when he gathered his disciples around him, I always find it, what a, a, an amazing bunch. You know, you, you've got a tax collector there who'd signed up for the Roman authorities with a zealot who was trying to kill the Roman authorities. And you think, wow, how did he get them in there? But that's the kind of bunch. When Paul wrote to the church, he said, look, the church is meant to be like a body. We're all very different. Your nose, your finger, your thumb, your toe, your kneecap, totally different. But actually, we're united together as one. 
So I would have to say unity and diversity. Okay, what's the third thing that I would bring out of this that I think is a huge challenge to us? And this is variety of involvement. I read up to verse 5. I would not have put verse 5 in there if I was writing the story. Verse 5 describes the only people that wouldn't get involved. We think it was some like leaders that obviously have thought a bit too much of themselves and thought we're not going to get our hands dirty. And in fact, the people that came from the same place decided to do double. And you can read that not only did they build one section here, they built another section. The fact is that there's going to be variety in terms of what people do, what they get done, what they're able to give, how they're able to serve. Some will do a double stint and some will struggle. It talked about some being zealous. I always think that. I think, let's be honest, if you're a mum and dad, you've just got a totally different role with your kids. I mean, Nikki is just great on art and craft, always has been with our kids. Oh, let's make something. And I come home and I think, let's tidy up. I think we make a great couple, you know what I'm saying? But if it was left to me, my kids would never have done anything artistic in their lives, probably. I'd have taken them out for sport, sport, and more sport. But actually, something about the variety, I think, brings a richness to the home. And I think there's a variety that brings a richness to us and to getting involved. One commentator, and I read these to try and prepare for these sermons, says this, God has a special job for each one of us, and the main qualification is a willingness to respond to his call. Are you willing to get involved? It could well be that you think, hey, Pete, I'd love to be involved in seeing the church built here. I'm not sure I'd want to play something in the band, but actually I'd love to serve on the food bank. You might think, well, I'm not sure that I, I could do something on a, a Sunday, but I'd love to host something in my home. You might say, well, actually, I, I, I'd love to set up, just come, help. It's funny, isn't it? You'll boast about your own kids. I can do it today because it's dedication day. My son has just gone to university in Portsmouth, and he went along to church on the first week. And they said to him, are you going to come to this church, or are you going to look around elsewhere? And they'd be honest, he said, no, I'm here. Count me in. And so they said, oh, well, which rotor would you like to be on? <laughs> First Sunday. I mean, if this is, we're only asking for your name and address, you know what I'm saying? And um, he said, well, I do have my DBS, but I'm not really keen on doing kids' work. I'm happy to do setup. I thought, what a great heart. Straight in, saying, oh, this is it. Count me in. And I think, oh, golly, there's a role for all of us to play. I mean, and sometimes we've just got to learn what that one is, but we'd love as many people to get involved as possible. I think this thing about building the walls, it was like everybody gets involved. I believe that about church life. I believe that this is not meant to be some sort of ship where you get a load of passengers, sorry to say that, but we're all crew. And actually there's a real fun and intentionality in joining together. And obviously, you know, they think, well, this room is just not going to be big enough, so we're going to go to another room. Well, you're going to need more people that would do welcome or more people that would do setup or more people that can get involved. So I guess I'd say three words, three words to families, three words to us as a church. I think this list of names, these credits, so to speak, talk about unity, diversity, and variety. And surely this is an inspiration of what can be done when God's people work together under dynamic leadership. But there's one other thing that I think is really key for parents and is really key for us as a church. And that was where did they start and where did they finish? 
Unfortunately, we haven't got it there, but it was here. I'm not sure that this was the exact brickwork, don't get me wrong. But actually, if you listen to the first verse, it said that they started the wall at the Sheep Gate. And obviously, if you listen to the last one, it said they came back round and they were at the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate, they believe, was named because it was here that the animals were brought in and out because it was right next to the temple for sacrifice. You see, the way these people believed is that there was a holy God that they'd done something wrong against. And what they felt is they understood that actually to sort of say sorry, there was a need to shed blood. And so often it was a a thing that we might not understand, but they would offer sacrifices that were often sheep. The sheep was a symbol of of something that was white or pure, and it's almost like this was offered as a sacrifice before a holy God. So what they realized is if we're going to establish this city, we're going to repair the sheep gate first. And if this city is to be finished and finalized, we're going to end up at the sheep gate. In fact, nowhere else did they bless in this list. None of the other gates, none of the other walls, none of the other towers, but this one. Because they realized that actually if they were to build something, they had to dedicate themselves totally to God. And part of the the establishment of the city, you could say, why did they build the city, Pete? Well, partly you could say it was military to protect them. Partly it was a sense of identity. We're together. But if we're really honest, it was a sense of this is a place where God's presence is welcome. You see, when the city had been broken and destroyed, the Bible talks about like a cloud leaving the city, the presence of God going. And what they wanted when they reestablished the city is say, we want God right in the midst. And, and therefore, I guess my encouragement would be, this is to be individually, to be honest, we would encourage you to have God right in the midst of your life. This is why we sing. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Bible describes him as the Lamb of God. He was like the, the perfect, what we honestly believe, he came and lived a perfect life. We believe that the Bible describes that he died in our place. He was the sheep that died that took our sin. He rose again so that we can know God. We could know that kind of forgiveness. This is how we understand it. And I think if we want to, personally, if I want to build my family, I want to build it upon starting at the Sheep Gate. I would say this to these guys. I think that's why it's great that as a church, we want to stand with you. We pray for you today. We want to be praying for you for the weeks and months to come. We want to stand with you the years to come. I think if we're going to see anything about this church, hey, I, I like the new flag outside, but that's never going to see the church built. I like the fact that people are really friendly. That is not going to build the church. What will build the church is that we start with God and we end with God. You see, when we gather here, we get excited and Richard gets us moving, not, you know, as a workout, but actually because we, we come to focus upon God. And so we would say the sheep gate is really the thing that we could take out of this list. It all starts and it all ends with him. I know the band are going to lead us in a song. Just while they're getting ready, I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you that you put this chapter in your book. I mean, why have a chapter of a list of names that many of us struggle with? We can't picture, we don't understand. We do know that you love people. Thank you, that's true today. We do know that actually these people were caught up in your plans and your purposes. We know that these people were united. We know they were diverse. We know there's a variety there, but actually they were all involved in seeing your city built. Father, we want to thank you for the diversity there are within marriages. 
Father, we want to pray for unity. Lord, there's different capacities within marriages. Father, we pray for unity. Father, we want to pray particularly again for these two families this morning. Let them build their lives upon Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to pray that for this church. We want to be those that that actually it's all about you, Jesus, and what you've done for us. We want to thank you that you are the, the sheep that literally died once and for all, it tells us, so that we can be forgiven forever. We can have our shame removed, our guilt taken away. Jesus, we want to thank you for that. Amen.